Hey folks, JR. Back for another episode of Fallen Badge. This episode's going to be the murder of Officer Don Overton. On October 12, 1999, four members of the Blackstone Rangers, a Memphis street gang, went to the Raleigh Springs Mall. Now they went there, they were going to boost a bunch of clothing from the Goldsmiths department store. Now this clothing, once they obtained it, they were going to sell it to make money in order to contribute to the treasury of the local Blackstone chapter. Now the four of them got into a green Chevrolet Malibu, went into the goldsmiths, and attempted to snatch some clothing. They had all piled a bunch of clothing on their arms and attempted to run out with it. They were stopped by a clerk, so they threw the clothes down, ran outside, got into the green Malibu, and left the parking lot at a high rate of speed. Now, it just so happens... Memphis police officer Reginald Alexander had just pulled into the mall and the Malibu went by him in a hurry which told him something was going on now the suspects they went out the southeast entrance of the mall on Scheibler they went southbound on Scheibler, and they took Scheibler all the way down the stage. And once they got to stage, they hung a right, went westbound on stage, and passed through the intersection of Coleman. Now, Officer Alexander, who's a few seconds behind them, he's lost sight of them. But when he approaches the intersection with stage on Scheibler. Some people at the uh, convenience store there on the corner, they start pointing back westbound down stage and they're hollering at the officer that car's heading towards Austin P. Officer Alexander, he doesn't see the vehicle again, but he radios their last known direction, which is westbound on stage. It just so happens another North Precinct officer, Elizabeth Mize, she hears the call go out from Alexander about the green Malibu leaving the mall at a higher rate of speed. Well, she pulls up Austin P. right there at the interstate. And she's not there more than a minute or two, and she sees the green Malibu coming down Austin P., and then it hits the westbound ramp onto I-40. 
So she puts out the location of the Malibu in this direction of travel. She takes off, catch up to the vehicle. The suspects continue westbound on I-40 for several miles, and then they get off on the Hollywood exit. So they hit the off-ramp, come down to the intersection, and they hang a left, both southbound on Hollywood. Now, another North End officer, Felipe Boyce, he has heard the radio broadcast, and he has pulled up to Hollywood in I-40, and he sees the vehicle blow through the intersection southbound on Hollywood. So he gets turned around and he's trying to catch up to them. Now the next North End officer, Daryl Bryant, he's pulled up to the intersection of Chelsea and Hollywood. And it's not more than a second or two in that green Malibu comes busting through the intersection southbound. Now, Bryant says that the vehicle is all over the road. He's driving up onto the curve and weaving through traffic and says people on the sidewalks are having to jump and run out of the way. Two North End officers, Tom Warwick and Don Overton, his partner, they're riding one-man cars. Now, they've just finished up a call. Now, they are coming eastbound on Staten, approaching Hollywood, and they hear the radio broadcast of the vehicle coming southbound on Hollywood. Now... What they haven't taken into account is how fast this vehicle's driving. Now, Officer Warwick, he's in front, so he gets to the intersection of Staten and Don's in the car right behind him, Officer Overton. So Officer Warwick he takes a left-hand turn and it's going to begin going northbound. And Don's right behind him in his car and he's going to pull out to and take a left as well. Now, according to Warwick's statement, that is a matter of record with the Tennessee Appellate Court, he says as he takes that left, he sees the green Malibu and he sees it all of a sudden just it pops into the turn lane well that's the lane Warwick's in because he's trying to get into the northbound lanes of Hollywood now in order to avoid a head-on collision with the suspect vehicle Warwick hangs a sharp left basically just spins out 
back into southbound lanes of traffic. The Malibu, still in the turn lane, but it punches Don Overton's car broadside right on Don's driver's door. Don't even know if Don even saw the car. Now, Don's car gets hit so badly and at such speed that the blue lights on the squad car are knocked off of it. Don's car is driven just about onto the parking lot. There's a chicken place that used to be on that corner, Hollywood Wings and things. That was on the southeast corner of Staten and Hollywood. Don's car is driven just about onto that parking lot. And the suspect vehicle hits the telephone pole. Now, I believe it's that telephone pole you see in the pictures right there on the southeast corner, right on the, right there at the parking lot where the wings and things building used to sit. Now, Don's dead on the scene. And they finally get Don out of the car and of course they transport they always transport so he gets to the med they declare him DOA now we've got four injured suspects who by the way none of the suspects died in this crash. Police officer died, they didn't die. Anyways, you've got four suspects in custody and a dead police officer. Now you gotta figure out what to do. And this is one of these times when I was really was disappointed in Memphis Police Department, some of the supervisors and the bureaus. Now at the time this this happened when Don was murdered. I was an investigator in robbery. In the robbery bureau, we end up handling this case. And I know you're asking yourself, why in the world would the robbery bureau handle a murder and perpetration of a theft of property over $500 or in perpetration of a felony. Well, homicide wouldn't take it. General assignment wouldn't take it. They were going to give it to Traffic Bureau. Traffic Bureau was going to handle this as a traffic accident. Luckily, for everyone involved except the suspects, Jeff Clark was still a sergeant up in robbery. Hats off to Jeff Clark, because everything that happened after this is, is because of Jeff Clark. 
he found out about it, and I think he was actually at the Union Hall when he heard about it, and he came back down to 201 Poplar and came up in the robbery office, and he went into the lieutenant's office because he had done found out that nobody wanted to work this case. They were just, we were just going to have a dead police officer, and they were going to dump it on traffic. So he went in there and slammed the door, and after he got through verbally abusing the lieutenants, they called, and the major came in there, our major. Well, Jeff Clark tore in him, so then the major called for reinforcements, and he called for the inspector, and the inspector went in there, and Jeff Clark got him. Then they called for the chief, and he got him too, and when it was all said and done, Clark came out of that lieutenant's office, and all he said was, we've got this case. So the Robbery Bureau of the Memphis Police Department handled the murder of a Memphis police officer. If it hadn't been for Jeff Clark, we wouldn't have... Everything that transpired after would not have been so. That Jerry Kitchens, who ended up prosecuting the case. Anyways, so we've got four suspects, and we we go out and we do this. We do doing the canvas, looking for witnesses. Now we had to interview all the police officers, me and another sergeant, Mickey Williams. That was a task that Jeff Clark had us do, and that was horrible. You'd have, you'd interview five or six police officers a day for, I don't know how many days before we got through them all. Then every one of them would start crying, and then I'd start crying, and it's hell doing a statement when you're, you and the officer that's giving you the statement are just bawling the whole time. You do that about five or six times a day for several days, and it starts to wear on you. Well, anyways, before it's all said and done, the driver's going to get charged with murder and perpetration of a felony because this is gang activity. And they pop the gang leader basically on a RICO. They indict him too because he sent them out to go steal stuff. Now, during the trial, one of the witnesses was Jim Wilcox, and some old policemen will remember Wilcox. He was a really good traffic guy. Now, based on his investigation, Wilcox determined that the Chevrolet Malibu was traveling 95 to 107 miles per hour when it struck Don Overton's squad car. Wilcox further testified 
that he determined the distance from the Raleigh Springs Mall and the intersection of Hollywood and Staten was approximately seven miles. Now he drove from the mall to the accident scene at the speed limit, posted speed limits. It took him 12 minutes. Wilcox said he used uh, radio dispatch from each of the officers to determine where that green Malibu driven by the suspects was at at any, any given point. Now, after he did that, he stated that the defendants made that same distance in five minutes and 13 seconds. Approximately average speed of 80 miles per hour. So he drove in 12 minutes at the speed limit and they made it in five. Now they brought in some other traffic experts. One of them was a mechanical engineer, Christian Brothers. Now, according to his calculations, the force upon impact to the body of the driver of the squad car, which is Don Overton, was the equivalent of falling a distance of 80 feet. Now, 80 feet, that's eight stories. He also determined that at the time of impact, the Malibu was traveling 98 miles per hour. And that Don Overton squad car was traveling at 35 miles per hour. Now they brought in a fellow from Michigan who's an accident reconstructionist. He came in and he determined that at time impact, the Chevrolet Malibu was traveling 98 miles per hour. So Don was dead even before he knew why. Now the three passengers in the car, they ended up testifying against the driver of the vehicle who was the I guess you would consider him the senior of the gang members and he was the driver and the driver was found guilty of murder and perpetration of a felony well they he got appealed and it was sent back down because the judge didn't give the jury all the any other alternative charge other than the murder and perpetration. So they retried it, and the jury found him guilty and sentenced to spend, hopefully, the rest of his life in prison. Officer Don Overton 
End of Watch, October 12, 1999.